welcome to the Games for the Throne podcast, a podcast about the HBO series Game of Thrones. I'm your host, Courtney, aka Mother of Dragons. Welcome to this episode of the Games for the Throne podcast. Um, this episode's covering the Queen's Justice, which I think was an awesome third episode this season. Um, I was very glad that they actually started out with John and Sir Davos being at Dragonstone and not dragging that out. Um, I was a little worried that, like, the first episode um, named Dragonstone, we were going to have to wait till the end to see what actually happened there. Um, but we'll get into that meeting of um, John Stark, uh, nay Targaryen, though he doesn't know it, uh, with his aunt um, Daenerys. So Missandei and Tyrion are there to greet them when they get off their boat. Tyrion introduces himself to Ser Davos because, of course, he's never met him before. Um, Missandei asks that they hand over their weapons, and um, they kind of look at each other, but then they oblige. Missandei and Tyrion also have a lot of Dothraki with them, um, which I'm sure makes John a little nervous. He's never met these types of people before. Um, they're foreigners. Um and then they're taken to see Daenerys. Um, Sir Davos tries to make small talk with Missandei on their way up to see Danny, but uh, poor Sir Davos, he's always trying to be the charmer. And uh, sometimes it works for him, sometimes it doesn't. Um, he wants to know where Missandei is from because he can't place her accent. But she tells him that she is from um, the Isle of Narth. And... Um, he says he's heard that it's a beautiful place. She doesn't really respond. She just kind of keeps walking. So Sir Davos to, turns to John and says, this place has changed. Um, John's telling Tyrion that Sansa's alive and well. And Tyrion asks if he misses her desperately as a joke. And Tyrion says, look, John, you know, the marriage was a sham. I didn't consummate it. I didn't touch your sister. And John says, you know, it's cool. I understand. Um, I don't need to, we don't need to talk about that. Everything's good. Um, and then Tyrion says at some point he wants to know how John became king in the north because it had to have been a great story. And John says, yeah, that he wants to know how a Lannister ended up as a hand to the Mad King's daughter. Um, so they both have interesting, they both ended up in interesting places. Um, John tells Tyrion that his bannerman didn't want him to come. And Tyrion says, well, you know, if I were your hand, I would have advised against it as well. Because Stark men don't fare well when they come south. Um, such as um, Ned Stark, John's, you know, alleged father. Um, such as Brandon Stark, Ned's brother. And um, um, Rickon, Rickard, not Rickon, Rickard Stark who was Ned's father, um, you know, when they came, what happened to them? I think we talked about that a little last week and what the Mad King did to them. So it doesn't really work out for Starkman when they come south. Um, they're talking and so John says he's not a Stark. And right when he's saying this, all of a sudden, Drogon comes swooping over them. Uh, Sir Davos and John duck for cover, like his feet are inches away. Um, to be them, that would have been scary, but awesome as well to see real dragons. Um, something that hasn't existed in Westeros for hundreds of years that is now back. It's just such a great thing. Um, 
so he and uh, Sir Dabo's duck for cover and, and Tyrion says, well, you know, I'd say that you get used to them, but you never do. They, they fly all around. This is their island. Um, and Sir Davos and John then stand up and look at them and they just seem mesmerized by this. Uh, Melisandre has decided to stay way up above. She watches John and Sir Davos coming, but she doesn't want them to know that she's there. Um, and Varys figures this out. He asks why um, she, ple you know, asked Daenerys to bring the King of the North here and then but she won't go see him so what's up with that and uh, melisandre just says you know i i put, brought ice and fire together that's what i was supposed to do it would just distract them if i was there we didn't leave on good terms um i don't think she said exactly what she did you know which is obviously the biggest thing was just um killing princess shireen but she said she did what she was supposed to do she's going to go back to volantis now but she'll return one day. And Varys tells her that she should probably never return to Westeros. But uh, she says that she has to because she's going to die there just like Lord Varys is. Tyrion and Missandei and Ser Davos and Jon arrive in the throne room. And uh, Missandei, of course, introduces Daenerys as uh, all of her titles. I can't even remember them all anymore. But uh, Daenerys Targaryen, uh, Stormborn... Uh, mother of dragons breaker of chains um blah 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 i don't know the unburnt um all of that and rightful king rightful queen of the seven kingdoms so then <laughs> um uh, sir davos uh tries to introduce john and he's like yeah this is uh john snow and john looks at him and he says uh yeah he's the the uh king in the north <laughs> So, uh, John didn't have quite as many, um, names to rabble off as Danny did, but, uh, Sir Davos tried to pull it out at the last minute. I don't think that really happened. It was a funny moment though. Some nice comic relief. Um, she thanks them for traveling so far to see her and, uh, Danny calls John Lord Stark, uh, or Lord Snow instead of your grace and sir davos jumps in and he says well excuse me ma'am but you know i introduced him as the king in the north so he you should be calling him your grace and she says well you know i didn't have this formal education but i'm pretty sure i read somewhere that the last stark king was torin stark who bent the knee to aegon the conqueror and he swore fealty in perpetuity um so she thinks an oath is an oath and Perpetuity means forever, so she assumes that he's there to bend the knee, but he says that he's not. She gets a little pissed. She says that's unfortunate that he traveled a long way to break faith with her. Uh, and John reminds her what her father did to his uncle and grandfather and how he couldn't necessarily trust a Targaryen. And she says, yes, my father was an evil man and I apologize on behalf of the Targaryen family. And I ask forgiveness for my father's crimes. Um, but she says, please don't judge a daughter by the sins of her father. And she talks about how the, Targary the Targaryens and the Starks worked together for centuries and it was successful. Um, they were successful in ruling Westeros with a Targaryen on the throne and a Stark as Warden of the North kind of looking all over the whole kingdom. They were able to keep the kingdoms together until the Mad King. 
Um, and she says, you know, she's the last Targaryen. Of course, little does she know that standing right next to her is her nephew. Uh, she says if she if he bends the knee, she'll name him Warden of the North and they can work together. John says that she's not guilty of her father's crimes, and but he's also not beholden to his ancestors' vows. However, they need each other. So she asks, well, did you see the dragons and then the Dothraki? Um, and he says, well, they were hard to miss. And she says, well, I don't think I need you. Um, because, you know, she doesn't need him to, um, win King's Landing from Cersei. Um, and Ser Davos and Jon say, well, you don't need us to defeat Cersei. There's another war that we need to, um, join together for, an even greater war. Uh, Jon asks why she hadn't stormed King's Landing yet if it would be so easy, because he thinks she, uh, he thinks it's because she doesn't want to kill thousands of people, which at the very least means that she's nothing like Cersei, that she is holding off. She's trying to prevent as many casualties in this war as she can because she wants to be a good ruler and actually have people to rule over. But, uh, John tells her there's an enemy in the North and it's the dead. They're on the march. John asks Tyrion if he thinks that he's a liar or a madman and Tyrion says no, um, but John says they're coming and they need to work together. Uh, Danny wants, starts talking about Ned Stark and how that was John's father and um, that, you know, of course they were best friends and that Robert had assassins sent to kill Danny. And she wondered if De Ned knew that, which Ned did know some of it. I don't know if he knew about all of them, but he knew at the very end because he was very much against it and it caused a huge rift between him and Robert before Robert died. Um, so she said, you know, he sent an assassin to kill me when I was a baby. All my life I ran. All my life people have been trying to assassinate me. I've been sold. I've been chained. I've been betrayed. I've been raped and defiled. And the only thing that kept me going through all of that was faith, but not faith in the gods, not faith in myths faith in herself. Um, she's done these amazing things. She's hatched dragons. The Dothraki have followed her across the narrow sea, something that has never been done in order to fight for her. So she was born to rule the seven kingdoms and she will. She's tired of waiting. She's tired of playing all these games. She's tired of people wanting to be their own kings and queens everywhere. And yeah, for Danny, I hate to see her do that because, um, I don't want her to get full of herself by any means, but at the same time, I understand it's like there has to be somebody because it's not working the way it is right now. It's just chaos. Um, when John says, well, this will be a graveyard if we don't stop the Night King. So, um, and Sir Davos says, you know, too, it doesn't matter whose skeleton sits the Iron Throne, if, you know, if it's a skeleton, if nobody's going to be here. And Tyrion says, well, John, please just bend the knee if this is so important. And if it doesn't matter anyway, because this army is coming, then why don't you just bend the knee? And he just says that he can't. Tyrion says that they've already started the war against Cersei because, you know, they don't know yet that the Greyjoy fleet and uh, that the Martells of Dorne um, have been captured and um, their fleet's been destroyed by Euron. So he says, we can't just stop. Um, Sir Davo says, well, you just don't believe us. 
But John was the first to make, he says, you know, Danny's done these incredible things. Well, John was the first person, you know, he joined the Night's Watch. He became the Lord Commander. He made allies with the wildlings and the men of the North and took back Winterfell. And you can see John kind of getting embarrassed at this, especially because he's thinking that Sir Davos is probably going to say something about him being risen from the dead. And, uh... They seem, you know, Danny and Tyrion don't seem to be open to these things. So maybe that's just going to make them think that he's crazier. But then Sir Davos continues, he said, not because it was his birthright, because he's a bastard. It's not his birthright to have Winterfell. It wasn't his birthright to be Lord Commander. But they chose him. The people chose him because they believe in him. He fought the bad things. He took a knife in the heart for his people. And then Sir Davos says he almost gave his own life to his people, but he stopped short of that. John asks why he would bend the knee. Um, he means no offense to Danny, but he doesn't know anything about her. Um, he says the North put his faith in him, its faith in him, and he has to do what he can to protect them. She tells John that being uh, by being king of the North, she is openly rebelling against her, and um, she's not happy about that. Varys walks in at this point after his conversation with Melisandre and he whispers something in Danny's ear. So she immediately apologizes to John and Sir Davos and she says that they must be tired after their long journey. So um, they're going to go have baths drawn for them and um, have food brought to them. And Tyrion looks worried. Um, John asks Tyrion if he's a prisoner and or he asks Danny if he's a prisoner and she says not yet. Once they leave, Varys tells her exactly what happened to her ships. Um, it was only the Greyjoys and the Martells. The Tyrells of Highgarden were not on those ships, so Danny has another army, hopefully, that she can still call on. I wasn't sure uh, last week if they were on there or not. It was hard to tell, but Martells, Greyjoys, gone, still have Highgarden. Um <clears throat> Then um, she asks if anybody made it out and it cuts to a shot of Theon being rescued by some other Ironborn. Um, he tells the crew that Euron took Yara, uh, but the captain thinks that it's weird that Theon's alive and he doesn't think that he tried to save his sister. He thinks that he ran off like a little wuss. Um, so he knows what's up. Poor... Theon is now just not going to have any favor with this people at all. I mean, he didn't really a lot anyway, but doing that, I think that's just going to be the end of Theon. We're going to see him do something drastic at some point. Uh, Euron is taking, he takes Alaria, Yara, and the one sand snake that's left. I can't remember what her name is. Uh, he's taking them through King's Landing to give them as a gift to Cersei. Um, and I don't know if anybody noticed, uh, probably this was in the first episode. And I just didn't think about it, but Cersei has replaced all the window dressings in the throne room with lions. Lions are everywhere, which is so funny because yes, she was born a Lannister, but she married into the Baratheon line. So she's not even using her husband's sigil or, you know, their sigils together or something. So anyway, she's just, she's all about, yeah, whatever. Fuck it. We're the Lannisters. It's us. It's nobody else. Um, Euron says that he's giving her, he's giving her justice for her murdered daughters and 
he um, pulls Alaria and the girl up there uh, to the base of the Iron Throne. And Alaria just looks at Cersei and spits. So Cersei says that Euron will get what he wants when the war is won, which he wants to marry her. Uh, so Euron is going to command their naval forces. Um, and then Euron goes over to Jamie and he asks for advice on how Cersei likes sex. If she likes a finger up the butt this way, that way, Jamie almost goes insane, but he's able to hold it in. And Euron was just hilarious. He's like, oh, we could talk about it more later. You know, just let me know. Just give me some advice, you know, brother to brother. <laughs> Sick craziness. Um, Cersei's taking Alaria downstairs into these dungeons with her daughter and she's talking to her. She says she understands why Alaria killed Marcella. Um, she can remember the, she can remember the exact sound that Alaria made when the mountain killed Oberyn, um, and how she screamed and how she thought, wow, she really loved Oberyn the way that she screamed for him. And then she says, you know, well, Oberyn was the better warrior that day. He would have won if he hadn't tried to taunt Sir Gregor, but he did. He played around with him and now he's dead with his head smashed in and Sir Gregor's here and he's stronger than ever. Um, she wants to know, Cersei wants to know why Alaria took Marcella from her, but Alaria's gagged. She can't say. Um, I'm sure it would be something like because all Lannisters deserve to die because it's your fault that Oberyn got killed. But Cersei says that doesn't matter now. And uh, she goes over to Ilaria's daughter and Ilaria is just trying to plead through the gag. Cersei says, well, you know, I can't hear you through the gag. And uh, she says, you know, I lie awake at night envisioning how to kill my enemies. And, um... She kisses the daughter. Well, she talks about at first how um, she thought about having the mountain smash the daughter's head in like Oberyn's, but that was just not right because the daughter's too pretty. And uh, then she puts a big fat kiss on her lips. And uh, so, of course, she had poison on her lips, just like Ilaria uh, did when she killed Marcella. So Jamie says, um, or sorry, Cersei says, I'm going to leave your daughter down here. And she's going to die. It could take days. It could take hours. Um, and I'm going to leave you down here. And I'm going to make sure you watch your daughter die. And if you if you try not to eat, we're going to make you eat. We're going to keep you alive because you are going to do this. And we're also going to keep you alive through the rest of your days with your daughter decaying here in this cell by your side. So not only is she going to make her watch her daughter die, she's going to make her um, watch her daughter just disintegrate into nothing. Um, so Alaria is going to be crazy because she's going to be talking to that daughter. All kinds of things are going to go on. That's just not going to end well. Uh, so she's really gotten back at Alaria for killing Marcella. Fresh off of her justice to Ilaria and the Sand Snake, Cersei's on a high, so she comes into Jamie's room, um, and she is all over him. Um, he tells her no, not now, uh, but then he finally concedes. She goes down on him, um, and they sleep in the same bed all night. 
um, someone comes to the door in the morning and Jamie tells her not to open it because people can't see that they've been sleeping together. But Cersei says, I'm the ruler of the seven kingdoms and I'll do what I like. So she opens the door. The woman sees Jamie lying naked in the bed. Uh, and she tells her that someone is there from Bravos. And of course, it's one of the men from the Iron Bank of Bravos, who, of course, um, Robert Baratheon and Joffrey Lan Lan Joffrey Baratheon, sorry, um, all of these wars that have gone on, they owe them lots of money. And um, so all of that debt has fallen to Cersei as the new queen of Westeros. Um, he mentions something about uh, the explosion of the Sept of Baelor, and she says, well, you know, that was just a tragic accident. That, you know, wasn't on purpose, of course, trying to play that off. Um, but the Iron Bank wants its money back, and uh, she says, well, you know, I've already started winning this war. He says, but, you know, Daenerys Targaryen has three full-grown dragons, but Cersei says, well, dragons aren't that invulnerable. There are ways to get rid of them. Um, they want to back Danny, but Cersei says that, you know, he doesn't, she doesn't understand why they want to back Danny because Danny freed all the slaves and the Iron Bank had investments in that. So how much money did they lose? Danny's a revolutionary and she doesn't think that the Iron Bank should back Danny. Of course, she wants them to back her. Um, he says, you know, you are your father's daughter indeed. And, uh, she tells him, you know, the Dothraki, um, former slaves, dragons, they don't pay their debts back, but Lannisters always pay their debts back. And, um, she says, you know, stay here, um, be my guest for a couple of weeks and your debt will be paid in full. Uh, my, my fleet owns the narrow sea now. I've got your and Greyjoy out there. Um, so he decides to back her now. Um, hearing all of this from her. Tyrion runs into John on a cliff at Dragonstone. Um, he says he came down there to brood over the Greyjoy attack, but that John looks much better brooding um, and that he feels like he's failing at this brooding uh, contest. And John says, well, you know, I'm brooding because I'm a prisoner. But Tyrion says, well, you're not a prisoner. You're free to walk around the island in the castle. John says that, you know, that is a prisoner. He says, I'm not making these things up about the dead. Um, so Tyrion says, well, help us find a new fleet for Danny. Help us win this crown for Danny, And then we can help you. Uh, and John's just like, I don't understand why you don't believe me. We don't have time for all of this. And Tyrion says he does believe him. Um, but so John asks, well, how do I convince people who don't know me? Um, because of course, you know, Danny's just met him. Danny doesn't know anything about him. She hasn't seen White Walkers. Um, you know, she's never even been in Westeros before, except for the day she was born. Um, so it's kind of an unreasonable thing for him to come in there and want her to just be like, okay, yeah, I'll come help you. Um, Tyrion says people's minds are made, aren't made for something that large, uh, as large as White Walkers, an enemy that big, that Cersei is a formidable foe. They can live with that monster. They can see that monster, but things that are that far, far north and beyond the wall is just unimaginable to them. John says that he needs to help his people and he can't do that from Dragonstone, so he needs to leave. And Tyrion says, you know, I'm really surprised that you're giving up that easily. Um, 
you know, Danny could have invaded Westeros years ago, but she didn't. She stayed where she was and she saved a lot of people um, by staying in Marine and Yunkai and Astapor and over there until she got that place uh, to a certain way where she could go conquer Westeros. So Tyrion says, you know, it's not a reasonable thing to ask her when you've just met her. Um, you don't know her either. And then he asks if there's anything he can do to help John, any little thing that he can do. Tyrion talks to Danny and he tells her, you know, John is um, a potential ally and that he wants this mountain of dragon glass underneath Dragonstone to, ho to make weapons to kill the White Walkers. Danny asks what Tyrion thinks about all of this, the White Walkers and all of that. And Tyrion says, well, you know, I would like to believe that John is wrong, but I don't. Um, you know, he says, John came against the word of his advisors to come see you. So just let him mine the dragon glass, give him something by giving him nothing and keep him occupied while we focus on Casterly Rock. And, you know, we need to get this guy on board with us. We need his army. Danny asks what Sir Davos meant by John being stabbed in the heart um, for his men. But Tyrion tells her, oh, you know, those lords of the north, they're just dramatic. Um, they're dreary in the north. So just let them have their little um, phrases like that. Um, so Danny's watching her dragons and John comes to see her and she says, um, dragons didn't exist for a while and now they do again. So maybe other things that didn't used to exist now exist. So I think she's trying to wrap her head around what John is saying. Um, even though it's hard for her because she hasn't seen these things. So he asks if Tyrion talked to her too, and they kind of laugh about that. Uh, she promises him she will not let Cersei keep the Iron Throne and that they still need to talk about these separate kingdoms because she is not too keen on that. But she will let him mine the Dragonglass underneath Dragonstone and she will help him as well. Um, he asks if she believes him, but she only tells him that he better get to work, Jon Snow. So she doesn't say yes, she doesn't say no. Sansa is getting the feel of ruling Winterfell. Um, the men are telling her that they have enough food for a year, but not if they have to fight for a war. Um, so she says, well, they need to take grain from all of the lords and all of the farms that are in the um, northern area. Because these people will have to flee to Winterfell anyway once the Night King comes. So they might as well just go ahead and start getting that grain now because when the people have to flee, they're going to have to be hurrying and they're not going to be able to be carrying wagons of grain. Uh, she also notices that the blacksmiths aren't covering their uh, the armor with leather, which will help against the cold. So she asks Lord Royce about it and he says, yes, of course, they should be covering with leather, leather and he talks to the men about it. Um, so Littlefinger and Sansa keep, uh, walking and he says, well, command suits her. Um, and then he says, you know, I know Cersei better than anyone, uh, here and you can't just turn your back on her. And Sansa says, well, no, you don't know Cersei better than anyone here. Um, that I know she's evil. She killed my family. And then he tells her, well, you know, don't just think about fighting here. Don't just think about fighting in the north or in the south. 
but always be fighting in your mind. Everyone's your friend, everyone's your enemy, and that way nothing will surprise you because you've already ran every scenario through your head. Which, I mean, I just think you have to be awesome to be able to do that because how you can't think of everything, <laughs> but anyway. Um, they get word that someone's at the gate, and I was wondering maybe if it was Arya, um, but if she had made it there that fast, but no, it's Bran and Mira. And Sansa, um, she hugs her brother. They go to the Godswood, and she says that she wishes that John was there. And Bran says, yeah, I really need to speak with him. Hmm, wonder what that's about. Um, so Sansa says, well, you're the Lord of Winterfell now because you're Ned Stark's eldest son. But he says, well, I can't be Lord of Winterfell because I'm the Three-Eyed Raven. And she says, well, I don't really understand what that means. And he says, well, it's hard to explain, but he tries. Um, he says he, he can see everything. Um, he can see all kinds of things, but he's still working on honing his craft. Um, and she says, well, how did you learn how to do this? And he said, well, the three-eyed raven taught me. And she says, well, but I thought you were the three-eyed raven. And he says, yes, that's why it's difficult to explain. I don't know why he couldn't just say, I am now the three-eyed raven. There used to be a previous one. He died. All of his memories are now with me. Or all of these things that he's seen are with me. And um, that's how I'm the three-eyed raven. He says that he's sorry for all that happened to her and especially that it happened in their home, referring to Ramsay and her wedding night. Uh, Bran says, you know, it was a beautiful night and it snowed um, and she was so beautiful in her white wedding dress. So he's trying to prove to her that he can see these things or that he knows about these things that he, you know, obviously was not at. Uh, she gets a little bit freaked out and she leaves. And uh, then we go to the Citadel where Archmaester Marwyn is examining Jorah. And Jorah looks much better. There is no grayscale on him. The infection is no longer active. So uh, the Archmaester's like, hmm, I wonder how this happened. It seems like somebody maybe peeled it off and put some ointment on it. So he totally knows that Sam did this. But Jorah just says, well, you know, I think it's just the climate and the amount of rest I've had. Um... So the Archmaester tells Jorah that he is now allowed to leave, and he says that he wants to see Sam in his study that evening. Sam asks Jorah where he will go, and Jorah says, well, you know, I basically just live for the Dragon Queen, so I'm going to return to her and help her win back the Seven Kingdoms. Um, and they both say that they hope that their paths cross again, and Sam actually reaches out to shake Jorah's hand, which I think is a huge gesture um, since you know, Jorah just had grayscale. Um, it's a huge gesture in many ways. Sam knew his father was with his father when he died and he's just helped save him. Um, so later when Sam goes to the Archmaester's room in the study, um, the Archmaester's kind of given it to him, but then he wants to know how Sam was successful. And Sam just says, well, I read the books and I followed the instructions. That's all I did. So he says that Sam should be proud of himself because um, he saved Jorah's life. And then he asks him to make copies of all of these old parchments that are being eaten by paper mites. And uh, Sam looks at him kind of funny and he says, well, did you expect some kind of reward? No, uh, you're going to do your job. You still have a lot to learn. Danny is really mad that she has lost um, her fleet, that she's lost the Martells and what she had of the Greyjoys. So she wants to sink Huron's fleet. 
And Varys says, well, we can't send our remaining ships out there. Um, that's not a good idea. And Danny says, well, we don't have to take ships. I'm not talking about ships. And she's meaning, you know, that she's going to ride her dragons out there. But Tyrion and Varys don't like the plan because she'd be alone. And she thinks she'll be safe with the dragons, but they're just concerned that she, she wouldn't be okay. And she really is the key to all of this. So next they're talking about uh, the Unsullied and how they're going to, um, they're heading to Casterly Rock. And we see a scene, uh, Tyrion's talking about what it would be like to, um, attack Casterly Rock and their walls are impregnable. So the Unsullied would have to use ladders to climb up there and they'd be shot down by the archers immediately. Like they would just lose big numbers. Um, but the thing is, is that he knows about, um, the sewers of Casterly Rock because his dad let him being the lowest person there be in charge of that. So that was the way that Tyrion used to get his whores in and out because he couldn't let anybody know, or he couldn't let anybody see them because his father was totally against that. So he's got a secret passageway in. And so, um, Grey Worm takes the Unsullied through this passageway. They get into the city and they kill all of the soldiers. Um, and they do it pretty quickly. And that is because most of the Lannister force is missing for some reason. There should have been more there. And the reason they're missing is they have all gone to Highgarden, which is apparently where Lady Olena and her army returned to. So since um, they thought that Jamie would be fighting at Casterly Rock, they would be safe there. But he, you know, um, he did like a rope-a-dope for them and he came to Highgarden instead and not um, Casterly Rock. So Euron's at Casterly Rock. He is um, getting all of the, uh, he's attacked all of the boats that the Unsullied came in. And Jamie has taken the rest of the army to Highgarden instead. Um, they thought that, uh, Danny and Tyrion thought that Jamie would be at Casterly Rock trying to defend that. But instead, he took that opportunity to deflect them and to go to Highgarden and get rid of that army. So Danny's now lost another Westerosi army. Um, Jamie goes inside. He finds Lady Olena. Um, he says that Cersei's just letting them take Casterly Rock for now to throw them off the trail. Um, but he took the rest of the army where they wouldn't be. So she wants to know how Jamie's going to kill her. And she remarks that she, um, he has Joffrey's old sword. Uh, called Widow's Whale, and she says that Joffrey was a real cunt. Um, then she talks about how she did horrible things to protect her family, but she never lost sleep over them because they were very necessary. But that Cersei had done things that she was incapable of even imagining, and she says Cersei is a monster. Um, Jamie says, well, when the war is over, the people will love Cersei. They won't care how she got it that way. They'll just care that she did. And Olena says Jamie really loves Cersei and that that will be the end of him. Um, she says perhaps it's beyond Jamie's control now. And she says Cersei is a disease and that she regrets her role in spreading it. Um, Jamie says that Cersei had a lot of different ideas about how to kill Lady Olena, such as parading her through the streets naked, um, 
beheading her, flaying her, all of these lovely things. But Jamie says that he was able to talk her out of it. So he just has a little bit of poison that he's going to put in her wine. So he does that. She scarfs that down real quick. And uh, she asks if it's going to hurt. And he says no. And she says, well, good, because I wouldn't want to die like Joffrey tearing at my neck with my eyes bleeding out. It must have just been terrible to watch. And she basically confesses to Jamie that she did indeed poison Joffrey. But she said she didn't know that the poison would do that. She just wanted him dead. And she asked Jamie to please tell Cersei that she was the one that killed Joffrey. And Jamie walks out. And that is the end of this episode. So I guess we say goodbye to Lady Olena. Unfortunately, I'm really going to miss her. Um, I think her and Danny would have been a really good um, pairing together. Um, I think she had a lot of good wisdom. I mean, I love Tyrion. Tyrion's smart, but I do think a woman needs woman counselors as well. Like you need a, you know, different array of different people uh, with different ideas. Um We'll see. It looks like John and Danny are going to work together with this dragon glass. Hopefully they will bond more. Um, and hopefully Danny will believe him. Um, because, you know, of course we know it's true. We believe in John. We've seen it. But this is a big thing that they're, he's asking other people to believe. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I didn't think he was going to walk in that throne room and be like, yeah, okay. So we've got these, like, zombies coming after us and we need your help. So leave this alone for right now and come help us. You know, I knew that wasn't going to happen because Danny's been waiting a long time for the Iron Throne. She's now there. She's getting so close to it. Um, and she wants it. It's her birthright. She wants to rule. She wants to be a good ruler. Um, so perhaps her and um, John can work together. I do think that there is going to be some sort of um, working together between them and mutual, mutual respect. Um, and we'll see when, because obviously Bran wants to talk to John about his true parentage. Um, so when is he going to find that out and how's Danny going to react to that? Because again, it's something that he doesn't have any proof of. It's just that Bran's seen that. Uh, it's not like they have a DNA test. So that could cause friction too, because technically John would have, um, a bigger, a better bid for the Iron Throne than Danny would because it's always the first son. It's never the daughter. Um, Cersei, gosh, she's ready for these dragons, which really scares me. I really don't want to see any dragons die. I want to see somebody else become a dragon rider. Like, it just seems like Danny's going to control all three of these dragons. And I mean, she can, but all that we heard about um, in the past was how, you know, each dragon had its own rider. We've never heard of somebody controlling three. So I just really hope there are other dragon riders out there that we're going to get to see soon. Um, it looks like we're going to get to see a big battle next week, like maybe some battles with dragons. Maybe Danny's just going to pull out all the stops and be like, I'm done with this. Um, because I think it's really good that she doesn't want to kill the common people just to win the war. You know, Cersei would do whatever the hell she thought she could to keep the Iron Throne. Um, but, you know, Danny's not going to just waste human life. But I do think she's going to get to the point where that's going to be what they have to do, unfortunately. Um, so that is it for this episode. Um, 
let me know if you have any questions or comments. Um, you'll, I'll tell you how to reach me and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Have any questions, comments, crazy theories? Um, you can email me at gamesforthethrone at gmail.com. You can also check me out at um, Games for the Throne on Facebook. And it's at Games for the Throne on Twitter, but the four is the number four. And then I'm also Games for the Throne on um, Instagram. And you can check out my podcast if you're not, well, if you want to check it out somewhere else, obviously, instead of on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, but I also have a blog. Um, I blog about a lot of different stuff to do with Game of the Thrones. And um, it's called, the website is 3cstudio.net uh, slash game, Games for the Throne. So um, lots of cool, neat stuff there. I'd love to hear from you guys. I hope I'm doing a good job. I hope I'm interesting. Um, So thanks for listening to my podcast and I will see you next week.